has red light on. Red light's on. Red light's on. Woo! Good evening, everyone. Campfire with Joe, Nick, and Keith, or Keith, Nick, and Joe, whatever combination of that. But without Nick, because, again, for episode 0001, Nick is also not here. Because he doesn't have a computer. So... You know, maybe I'll teach him tomorrow. Yeah. My wife's out in the kit in the, in the living room laughing her ass off at me because we're attempting a podcast. Buddy Keith is right here. Hey. Hey. <laughs> My wife's also in her bed and fucking laughing her ass off as well. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? We're having fun. Even yeah. if nobody listens to this. Exactly. We can go back and listen to it. Exactly. Be like, hey, good thoughts. Let's revisit that. So, today is the 26th of February of 2022. Wanted to mm. kick that off just to mark this calendar moment. And yep. Yeah, it's almost 11 at night. We're digging is. in. Heck yeah. So, man, you wanted to talk about some foreign policy, I see. Well, I know that we have, it is like the big elephant in the room right now with how, yeah. uh, you know, everything's going with Ukraine and Russia and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it, it there's a lot to talk about. And again, like we talked about off air, I'm not an expert. Oh, a historian. I'm not a political science major. I'm, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff, but I do have two eyeballs and a frontal cortex. So, like, I can see what's going on. And I have been on this earth for damn near 40 years. So, you know, those things combined with memory, I'm like, wait a minute, start piecing things together. I'm like, how did, how did we not? see this coming or how why did we choose to ignore it i mean exactly it wasn't something that like really snuck up on us like there was warning signs and stuff and for sure for sure lots of warning signs like uh when it it specifically comes to russia and their aggression i mean never mind the cold war and, and the ussr but even after that, it never stopped. And and I think there has been, I, I don't know whether I sh- we should chalk it up to, excuse me, um, negligence or just purely malicious intent or self-serving power grabbing, but... Uh, over the past ever since the berlin wall fell i mean watch especially in like the early 2000s when russia was being aggressive and uh they were starting shit with georgia um they took crimea and we just did nothing oh we'll give them some sanctions and i think that's been our fatal flaw whether it was whether it was like malicious intent or negligence, our fatal flaw was 
uh, the fact that we placate rather than draw a red line in the sand. It's it's wishful thinking optimism. Like you can't just continuously do that. Like yeah, you can get to a point where you can, but at the end of the day, you're gonna have to be vigilant. Yeah, well, I mean, but how how does one get to that point? I mean, you have you have an adversary, so I mean, it, you have to be able to understand your adversary's motives. And in this case, our adversary is uh, Russia. I mean, sure, China's in there too, and they also fall under this this umbrella of thought. But if we are going to treat our adversaries like they, and this is our, this is why I'm glad you put us or put our uh, little agenda with foreign policy and Western society right there next to each other, because one goes. Hand that they hand both hand. go hand in hand. Uh, so Western society is completely different. It's based on Judeo-Christian values, the Enlightenment, and um, Greek philosophy. And um, Western society in terms of uh, Canada, the U.S., Europe, the U.K., and a lot of Latin America. Okay, that's Western society. And we're based on Judeo-Christian values and all those things I said when it comes to the, these other countries like Russia, um, all the countries, not all the countries, but a lot of the countries in the Middle East and um, Eastern Asia, they, they don't subscribe to these trains of thought. So for us to treat those adversaries, if they decide they want to be adversaries to Western society, as if they were part of Western society and would operate that way, it's a fatal mistake. It's a fatal mistake. And, and long story short, sanctions aren't going to work. I don't think Vladimir Putin gives a shit. I don't think his people give a shit. Oh, so they're going to be just a little bit more poor than they already are. It's not about, it's not about their thriving economy because they don't have a thriving economy. Right. And that's that's what it is for for Western nations. It's it's about can we can we live so comfortably that we end up in the situation we're in now, where we're fat and sassy and and kind of backsliding when it comes to morality and virtue. And these these other countries, although are not virtuous or moral they don't want to let go of of those values so they will sacrifice their third-rate economy and and our leadership over the past 30 years or more has not been operating under those pretenses that they're not western countries they don't give a shit about the same things we do right there their dream is definitely not what America's dream was, for sure. And I say was because we have fallen away hard on a lot of that just in our last 10 years, if not last 20 years of my 38, almost 38 years 
and uh yeah like it's it's insane to think that you know once failed policies of the east that you know people are trying to harken back to and say that that's how we're supposed to live with full social yeah it's crazy and shit and so Uh, let's just give all the power to like a couple people in our country they'll take care of us sure no big deal yeah i see that's it's a ridiculous notion isn't it i see elon definitely taking care of us and jeff bezos and yeah yeah totally taking care of honestly honestly though ironically enough the way you said that if you apply that to western society and especially capitalism those types of guys kind of do take care of us they provide lots of wealth and jobs and 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 they're demonized for it right oh it's not enough it's not enough well okay get rid of guys like those and where would we be well and i don't get so like a lot of the issues like you just brought up too is like people are wanting to have it to where they're they're in bad light because they are capitalists and stuff like that and they're still and they're rich as shit yeah and they're still helping their their uh employee base and they even help the with pretty decent support for their customers like they care for their customers enough right they they create a product that has value to us and we are willing to make that transaction of what we hold valuable to them for what they hold valuable and it's reciprocal right well and i think that what's the the badness nomer is that a lot of people on i have to say it like the left want to have the money come from the government that they received from musk or bezos to fulfill them for not doing anything for sure and it's like for sure what the hell like how is that going to be sustainable at all because if you're not doing it, it's anything, not you're not you're not fit for society it's about incentive structures, man. It, it and whether it's culture we're going to talk about or politics and economic policy, it's all about incentive structure. And that's where capitalism, although far from perfect, has been the most successful because the incentive structures capitalism puts forth creates not only wealth and brings people out of poverty, but it encourages uh, innovation and entrepreneurship. And I I I can't believe I'm able to say this right now, but the power of the individual, the sovereignty of the family and the individual. And it, that's the beauty of capitalism. Uh, I'll give it. I'll give it out there to whoever wants to argue it that capitalism has some fatal flaws when it comes to crony capitalism and greed and stuff like that. But um, capitalism has built in these systems that 
encourage good behavior that lead to innovation. And, and these are all the reasons why capitalism has pulled more people out of poverty than any other system in the history of the world. And it's all happened within the last 150 years. I mean, th think about the standard of living 200 years ago versus the standard of living now. The poorest people in Western society in these capitalist countries, these poor people have internet and computers and flat screen TVs and, and a lot of them are overweight. And I mean, that's not poverty. Poverty is burning dung to keep warm. And if your belly's big, it's because it's distended from starvation and disease. That's poverty. And that's what you saw 200 years ago. And in some places, you see it now in, in underdeveloped countries. I, I just... it. It's hard to pinpoint where where this attack came from on these good ideas. And, you know, okay, let's think about China. China is a communist country. China is an autocracy. But... Their economy has grown a little bit, even though they've got big issues with their economy. Um, their their citizenry has been lifted out of poverty to an extent. Well, why is that if they're a communist country? Well, that's a pretty simple answer. They opened up their markets to the West. And in, in turn, they've, you know, uh, exploited the West's willingness to do business with them and kind of turn that whole deal on its head. But again, without the ideals of the West, especially in terms of economics, and especially in terms of economics, it has lifted the people of China out of a certain level of poverty. Very much, agreed, but man. I don't. So I guess we've been on you know, Western society versus the rest of the world, and we didn't really talk about foreign policy. Well, I, I mean, I guess we did a little bit there, but I think that we were kind of teeing it off. I think we kind of went out of order of what we had listed, but I still say mm -hmm. that you know this all leads into how are we to act from people who have these values of the American dream and the autonomy of not only our individuals and then also states, but then also to the whole, you know, federal standard to then go to these places that completely have radical different views and everything else. Like, um, to answer that, I think I think the only way to get the message across is peace through strength. Yeah. Deterrence, real deterrence, 
um, drawing that red line in the sand and making sure there are real repercussions that lines crossed. And we've had some presidents and leaders, not just presidents, but leaders in our history that went by what they said. If you cross this line, we're going to fuck your shit up. Yeah, you'll definitely at least feel what we're we're telling you you're going to feel. It's not right. just blowing and, smoke. I mean, it, l- listen, we're both dads. If, if you tell your kid not to do this certain thing or this thing is going to happen, you have to follow through with that or they're just going to do that thing you don't want them to do all the time because oh, it's an empty man. threat. I mean, th- this is not complex psychology and it has nothing to do with culture or anything. It's force. Every culture in the history of the world knows about force and coercion. So if, if the United States or the UK or NATO or Jesus, I mean, NATO and UN, what a joke. But if, if these organizations, countries, whatever, put these ultimatums out and then don't follow through with them, of course, China and Russia and Iran are gonna just walk all over us. We're a freaking paper tiger. They don't. They know we're not gonna do anything. Right. Well, and then they have more incentive to try to go after someone that's neighbored to them, versus like coming towards us. And we don't have over here on our side of the the world. We don't have anyone to really want to take over their land or anything i guess the only one that we would would be probably canada yeah if we were ever thinking about trying but we're like you're probably just our neighbor you know like chill yeah it's all good yeah no we're not not gonna fuck with you right oh i mean canada in in and of itself it's been just about reduced to shambles in terms of its culture and and its democracy. These these Western nations are letting go of the founding principles and not that these other Western nations had the founding principles that the US does. I had a conversation with my mom about this today and you know, she's a staunch conservative. God love her. But she she fails to see, I mean, she, she cited this issue she takes with our government where Republicans just, they just, when they, when they finally gain power of, or the majority of Congress in both houses and maybe even the presidency and in some cases, the Supreme court, they just sit on their hands and do nothing. And for me, they're not necessarily doing nothing. They're doing their jobs. And so when I, when I think of our founding principles and documents as a whole, I can come away with it with this, this idea that the government here has two jobs. The one job and the most important job, I, I don't even know it's, it's the most important, They're equally important, these two jobs. The one job is to protect the citizenry 
protect the borders, protect the sovereignty of the nation. The second job of our government is to keep themselves in check. It's to keep them from doing things. And I know that sounds a little out there. We don't want our government to do anything. What do you mean you don't want the government? I don't want the government doing shit. And anybody that listens to this, really stop and think. When was the last time the government actively did something and made a change and got wheels turning? When was the last time that happened that it turned out good? Because from where I'm sitting, everything the government touches goes to shit. They can't do a damn thing right. Yeah, man. Never happened. Never happened. It's just... and, and mom was talking about the, the bad orange man with the T name. And are we allowed to say that here? Psst. The T name. I'm not going to say it. Um, well, I think that she was. She was. She, oh, okay. Well, she was talking about him and said he did all kinds of good things for this country. And whether or not the things he did were good or bad was that that was not what I wanted to debate with her. I mean, I I try to break it down for her and make her realize that the things that guy did for the country. Were the job of the government. He protected the borders and protected the country. And he kept the rest of the government trampling on its citizenry. Right. That's all he did. That's he spent four years doing those two things. And a third thing, you know, bloviating and massaging his own ego, for sure. Sure. But that's the job of the government. Protect us and keep the rest of the government from trampling on us. That's, that's the job of the, our government. And that's, that's the result of all this, uh, Greek philosophy and the enlightenment and Judeo-Christian values and the value of the family and individual. We got here. How far in are we, dude? Uh, we are 22, almost 23 minutes in. God, I'm a long-winded son of a bitch, ain't I? It's good, though, dude. So, uh, do we have more that we want to talk about on on the first two bullets? or? Oh, absolutely, but, you know, we do have an audience that wants to hear about other shit. Or we don't have an audience, but we'd like to create that thing out there in the ether. So one of the things (laughs) that I wanted to bring up is like, so getting ready for some travel and stuff, the beginning of this year, um, looking at trying to create a live USB uh, stick for my laptop so I can use one laptop instead of using, bringing multiple laptops with me on travels. Uh, been kicking around. I know you've been kicking around the live USB with sure assistance have. for Ubuntu. Wanted yep. to see how, especially your take on that for the last couple, uh, probably a month or so, isn't it? At this point, yeah, well, it's been a month or two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, uh, for what I've used it 
it's been great. Um, I, I like it better than, well, a, a virtual machine isn't ideal for like travel and stuff. That's for in office use and, and stuff like that. But, um, it is, I guess that's my question for you is what, uh, what makes a, a persistent USB stick more useful for travel? What do you mean by, um, rather than carrying a couple PCs with you? So like what I would like to do is in, instead of being able to take, uh, a windows machine that I currently have and stuff that I'd be using while I'm traveling, um, is to be able to then boot off of a live USB to where I can actually go through and have my privacy on the computer itself while I'm in the hotel mm -hmm. room or whatnot. I'm not right on. not opening myself up for hackers or whatnot to sit there and try to get on the computer and get to the data directly. But I have access to my data that's on the USB or connection to the cloud and that stuff that way so kind of being right able on. to in a sense what's called dual booting which usually is where you're downloading and installing the secondary operating system so predominantly on pcs you have windows um but you can also install linux and have it what's called dual booting to where you can select either at the time of startup uh, likewise, you could do it with this live USB where you just have the the USB stick stuck in the side and tell it to load and all that. Uh, so it sounds like this, this live USB thing, and I can kind of say this from experience, like if you have a PC, a Windows machine, and it's got maybe some limited resources, um, you don't want to install, especially when it comes to like a hard drive space. You, you don't want to use all that space to install two whole operating systems and all the applications and and everything that goes with it. You can have a USB that has one of those two on it. And you and you when you run your um, operating system that's installed on the PC itself on that hard drive. You, you have more resources. Is, is that yeah is that what am I thinking of that the right way yeah I would definitely say that that's correct so you know you're you're not you're trying it out but yet you're trying it out in more of an advanced way to where it still has persistence so that you have your settings saved and everything else right you can download um, you, you can download your apps on this USB stick and then when you're done and you pull it out, they're still there next time you boot it up. Heck, even I'm going to try to set it up to where I can be able to do this cast while on travel with this stick. Dude, dude, the nerding out part of this cast is about to happen. Totally. That sounds super cool. And, you know, what's the point of doing that? I don't know. Just just because it's fun to see if we can do it. Exactly, man. I mean, that's kind of that's why we're even doing this podcast. Just well, let's see if we can do this. Well, a big thing, too, is that, like, when I'm privately using the computer and stuff, I want to have my configurations and stuff saved. Like, I like to tweak everything. Like, on my Linux, same my main Linux drive laptop that I'm actually working on right now, like, I have 
the font's different. So I have a little bit of dyslexia. So like the way the weighted on the font is, it makes me see it easier. I don't sure. have the issues with that. Well, yeah, that's 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 a really big thing to talk about is the accessibility of it. Yeah. Like it it has so much more availability to change it and Windows does too to an extent, but if you're in an environment that maybe it's like locked down or something, you know, this is a different way to you're not using the lockdown system. You're using the hardware. Right. But the software is gonna be unlocked kind of thing. You know, that's one thing I haven't tried with the live USB though, is trying to boot that on a lockdown PC. Yeah. I'm anxious to try that and see see how that works. In in my times with it, it's worked really well. Um yeah. some different PCs could be locked down a little further than others in different Yeah, situations. when it, I I I get I get the idea that if they're locked down so far as the BIOS, you might be in be in some trouble trying to get it running. But yeah, even even some of the lockdown ones, they leave it open to where you can still interrupt it. And you get into yeah. that, which one do you want to boot off of? Do you want to boot off? Oh, F- F10, F12, F8, whatever or it starts Sometimes up. even enter. Like, I know my old uh, Lenovo ThinkPads and stuff from college days and whatever, you know, all where you hit enter. And it like pauses it and then it brings up. Yeah. The rest of the screen. Yeah. I press enter it. Start up. Yep. And then it's like, oh, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to continue or do you want to try to bid off something else? And it's like F12 or something like yep. that. And it's like sweet USB click. <laughs> yep. Ooh, Ubuntu. Yeah. <laughs> and none of the rest of the crap that's already on that PC. I think it's definitely really cool, especially with you now getting into Linux more and stuff that you know, you're digging all the different possibilities that you can have with it and stuff. I mean, Windows, you can still have possibilities, but it feels caged. I feel highly caged in that environment. So where I'm at with it, I feel that way sometimes. And other times I feel caged in Linux. And that's sheerly because of my inexperience with Linux. I mean, for instance, you know, I I don't use this particular app we're using on Linux just because I can't always get it to work right or maybe the audio isn't as good because, you know, it's already there on Windows. It's just a lot of these apps are geared for Windows and they're not open source and I mean, honestly, it's a damn privilege and a miracle that some of these apps actually work on Linux, especially for an idiot like me that barely knows how to use Linux. Uh, You're not an idiot. You're just new. I'm a noob. I'm a fucking noob. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's definitely cool because, like, so I've been dealing with Linux since 98. No kidding. So like the first one that I did was, I think it was Red Hat 4. And it came on 32 floppy disks. Oh my God. (laughs) You had to go through the first three to get through the menus for the installation setup. 
There was no Damn. live. <laughs> and then, right. Then probably a year later, ninety nine, either ninety nine or two thousand, came out with this one called Mandrake, and it actually had a live uh, CD that you could run, and the CD ROM, and it was like badass. It was like this changed everything. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I could actually use stuff and pulling it off of old, you know, 386 architecture and stuff from the computer. Yeah. 32 bit days and all that jazz. So, like, it's definitely, it's come a long ass way. Hell yeah, it has, man. So excited. And just think, just think there are so many more innovations to be made. And Matt, I mean, think of quantum computing, dude. And I know fuck all about quantum computing, but I know that that blows the doors open. I mean, it's, it's just far above and beyond the technology that everybody uses on a daily basis. Right. And you, the interpreter for that though, is so much vastly different than what we have now in this standpoint. It's, it's crazy. Speaking well, I mean, of all that quantum computing and theory and stuff, what's your thoughts on multiple dimensions? Oh, what are my thoughts on the multiverse theory? Yeah. Is that what you're asking yeah. me? Because uh, we're going to deviate from our agenda. Well, I'm down for that. And again, another disclaimer. I'm no fucking expert on this. I don't know shit. I don't know shit. I don't know shit. But I know a little bit, just a little bit about a lot. And that's enough to get me in trouble. And, you know, when this is posted, the comments section is going to be full of you fucking idiots. (laughs) Up spinning, down spinning, quirks and squirks and muons and gluons. And you shove it up your ass. Look, yeah, this is all just cool stuff to talk about. Exactly. But um, when it comes to the multiverse theory, I definitely think that's a strong possibility. That's it's it's a theory that is worked on by thousands of scientists every day. So if it wasn't a pretty good theory, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't even be talked about. And, uh, you know, but then there's, there's string theory too. Well, and string theory has that multiverse set up. Yes, it does. Or multidimensional at least. Yes. Yes, it does. But the thing I like about the multiverse theory is the mind blowing probabilities. And I guess it's not just multiverse theory that has its probabilities, all, all different aspects of mathematics and and astrophysics and theoretical physics has those mind-blowing probabilities to them. But the idea that there is a universe for every potential outcome of every movement or every decision or every, every possible spin of a particle that just is mind-blowing i mean think about 
the numbers involved in these uh, calculations, these numbers are absolutely it's really crazy like incomprehensible uh, yeah like uh, a couple of the things that i like to do back when i was in college and stuff is to listen to the richard Feynman lectures and stuff about quantum mechanics and quantum physics and it was just crazy the precise the precision that you need to get to then you know theoretically write them out and understand their resolutions and all that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm like, it's, I, I don't know that this is how I get when I think of quantum mechanics and quantum field theory is it's, I, I get kind of speechless because I, I got a taste of, and just by watching fucking TV shows and, watching some YouTube videos. And I know that's, that's no basis for an education on this stuff by far. But when you get a taste for that and somebody can actually explain these theories to you in a way that you can actually kind of start to realize how little you know and how vast this knowledge is, it that's how I get. I just, I'm just like, uh, uh the endless possibilities of the multiverse theory is like holy shit man it's like the like super awe like when you're on top yeah. of the mountain and shit and you're like looking over the vast land and it's so vast but then you're realizing that you're so small in that vastness that it's like uh-huh uh <laughs> like what the hell you know and the other thing i like about the all, all aspects of quantum field theory is we're really not that small in comparison to some of these numbers, these measurements. Like, yeah, sure, we're made of atoms, but what are those atoms made of? Well, protons, neutrons, and electrons. Well, what are those made of? I mean, think about how hard it is for us to see just a fucking atom. It takes a lot of energy and ingenuity to just see a fucking atom. And to think that those atoms made up of those three basic particles are made up of more fundamental particles. And uh, it's, again, I, here I am just like, duh. Dude, uh, <laughs> it's this, is, this is insane. This is insane. It Absolute insanity so to try to comprehend. And yeah, sure, we're tiny in the grand scheme of things when you think about the cosmos and our the the universe that we live in, the one universe we live in. God knows how many more universes are out there. That just makes exactly. me feel even smaller. But to think that there are things infinitesimally infinitesimally smaller than we are did i say that right yeah, jesus i think you did have another shot have another shot joe words are coming out good now <laughs> okay <laughs> by the way everybody i'm drinking drinking an unreleased product from my good buddy tuck he runs tuck and reds well he's co-partner with a couple other of his buddies tuck and reds distillery in yellow springs
Ohio, and I get this private stock bourbon. Uh, well, it's not bourbon. You're not allowed to call it bourbon. It's we might have to edit this part of the podcast. No, it's, okay. it's not bourbon. You're not allowed to call it bourbon if it's not made in Kentucky. But it's okay. But goddamn it, tastes just like it, good. and it's <laughs> delicious. Um, I was I guess drinking it's on good some stuff. Jim Beam honey. Oh yeah. And some. Oh yeah. Doctor K. Dude, I always thought that stuff would be good in like some hot tea. It's it is. Like when you're feeling kind of shitty. Yes. Like you got a cold or the flu or something. Or fuck, even if you like hung over the next day after New Year's Eve or something. Yes. Make some hot tea in the afternoon when you finally roll out of bed and Yeah. That and some medicated honey and stuff in there. Put some CBD. Be some good stuff. Yes, sir. So but yeah, dude, I think that this is a great episode for us to kick off our inaugural tour on it. I would have to agree with you. We're coming at I would have to agree with you. And be, just minutes. because my wife came in here and laughed her ass off, I'm going to make her listen to the whole thing. Oh, it's good because... Usually, usually when we're in like the car driving somewhere, we're listening to like... Some other podcast, you know, maybe yeah. Ben Shapiro or Joe Rogan or something. And nope, she's going to listen to this one next time. <laughs> dude. dude, it's going to be available on Spotify. What? Yeah, I'm going to get it on there tonight. You fucking kidding me? You can, we can do that? We can do that. And I'm going to put it for all of our listeners, yeah. potential listeners, uh, you're going to realize very soon that. Keith's a tech guy. I'm, I might be a nerd too, but Keith's the fucking tech guy. And he's going to blow my mind quite often with some of this shit. So we'll get out there. Fucking Spotify. Okay. Spotify, YouTube. And then I was thinking about doing the whole thing. Get our email. All that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So I say that we kick it. We light the fires and go on with that. Yep. So on to the next one. Want to say thank you everyone for listening, whoever listens, and I want to say that you know you guys rock. Thanks for liking if you liked it and give us feedback. Either way, good, bad, or ugly. Hell yes. We're thank you everybody, especially my. <laughs> You're right, right. I'm not looking at the comments. Fuck all that. I'm gonna look at the good comments. <laughs> I'm gonna filter the shit. Yeah, out of it. yeah. Let's let's filter the thumbs ups. Yeah. <laughs> at least for a little bit until we get a hang of things. I mean, you can't expect us to be like professional at that level yet. <laughs> cool. Right on. All right. Thank you, everybody. Until next time. Peace. Later.